We've been in the, the gospel according to Mark. If your words and your actions and your posting don't display the fruit of the Spirit, hear me, they're not of God. And they're more like the Pharisees than Jesus. So in these 58 verses, Jesus has run in with the Pharisees. And he uses that run in for a teaching moment. And then Jesus kind of crisscrosses the region. Jesus is always on the move. And then Jesus uh, uh, chases a demon out of a, out of a girl. And, and then Jesus heals the deaf guy. And then he feeds 4,000 people, not to be confused with when he fed 5,000 people. And then he has another run-in with the Pharisees. And then, and then he has another teaching moment. And that's what happens in these 58 verses. Okay, good, now we can go. We're done. No, not yet. There's a, there's a thread running through these 58 verses that, that is hard. It's hard for, for, for me. I don't want to look at that thread because if I stepped on your toes before, we're going to probably step on your toes again as we look through this thread through these 58 verses. See, we get it that Jesus and the Pharisees aren't going to get along. Boo, Pharisees, you know, you've heard plenty of sermons on that. And we get it that, that Jesus and the Herodians, they were only in for politics and political favor. We get it that they're not going to get along. And I suppose we can even understand Jesus' hometown not totally getting Jesus, and maybe even his family, eventually his family will. James and Jude write two books in your New Testament. Normally, eventually they're going to get Jesus. It's kind of hard to deny Jesus after his resurrection and your brother comes walking up to you. So eventually they're going to get it, but not yet. But the ones who don't get Jesus in these 58 verses is the disciples. Disciples aren't getting Jesus. They saw Jesus heal all those people. Saw Jesus chase the, those demons, the demons out of the guy whose name was Legion. 6,000 demons maybe, right? He's healed hundreds and hundreds of people. Mark doesn't record it, but the disciples heard the sermon on the mount, heard the greatest sermon ever. They were there. Last week we saw Pastor Anthony when he preached, you know, Jesus uh, fed the 5,000 people with a boy's lunch for crying out loud. Jesus calmed the tohu and the bohu in the Sea of Galilee twice. In chapter 5, Peter, James, John went with Jesus. Not all the disciples, just Peter, James, John went with Jesus, and he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. She was dead. Not dead, tired, dead, dead. And he raised her from the dead. Yet the disciples aren't getting it. They just, they, they just don't get it. In this passage, 58 verses, Jesus butts heads with the, the Pharisees. He chases the demon out of that girl. Here's the deaf dude. He feeds the 5,000 people, not to be confused with 4,000 4, people, not to be confused with 5,000 people. I confused it. <laughs> butts heads with the disciples. And the disciples, or butts heads with the Pharisees, and the disciples, they know better. They've been there. They've seen it all. They ought, to, they ought to get it by now. They've been with Jesus for nearly two and a half years. This is towards the end. This is going to be towards the end. Next couple of weeks, Jesus is going to start his march to Jerusalem. And they don't get Jesus. They just don't. And the question for us is, do we? That's the big question. All right, let's start from the bottom of this passage and work our way up. The last verse in this passage that we're looking at today is Mark chapter 8, verse 21. And Jesus says this to the disciples. Do you not yet understand? And it kind of just, he leaves it hanging out there. The disciples don't answer that question. They just leave it, it just hangs. And then next week we're going to get into 8.22 and the, and, and the following verses. It just kind of hovers over. Don't you guys get it? Don't you, do you not yet understand? 
and to move up the, that passage to see what Jesus is talking about, it's going to be crazy. It's when Jesus, Jesus had just fed 4,000 people. 4,000, not to be confused with 5,000. He fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and a few little fishies. So if you're keeping track at home, in the last few days, last week, Dr. Anthony's passage sermon, Jesus fed 5,000 people. And a few days later, he feeds 4,000 people, men, not usually, they say, you know, not counting women and children. So 5,000 people one time, men for one time, 4,000 people the next, that's 9,000 for you math majors. All from a grand total of five loaves the first time and seven loaves the second time, 12 loaves of bread. And these aren't giant loaves of bread. These are more like tiny little biscuits. We would call them biscuits. Oh, I love biscuits. <laughs> Have you ever been to Red Lobster bris- biscuits? Do you love those? Oh, I love those biscuits. Before my doctor told me I was gluten intolerant, I could eat a dozen of those biscuits all by myself. Now, don't tell my doctor. I can eat two or three all by myself. That's <laughs> our secret. Sometimes my doctor's in this service, so... <laughs> I'm sure those 12 disciples could have eaten all 12 of those biscuits all by themselves. A few fish, we don't know how many. The first, you know, the first time when he fed 5,000, said there was two little fishies. They're not, you know, big fish. These are two little, you know, sardines. And the next time it says, it says a few fish. I don't know how many, a few is. Let's just, for sake of argument, say five. So, so Jesus feeds 9,000 people, men, not counting women and children, 9,000 people with a dozen biscuits seven little fishies, seven little sardines. Still with me? And the, the disciples, they ate all those meals. They ate both of those meals. They, they, they were there both times. Mark 6, Mark 8, they were there, they ate. And now this is what it says in Mark chapter 8. They, the disciples, they're back on a boat. They're heading back to Bethsaida, Peter's hometown. They began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Okay, now, just by the way, that isn't exactly true because verse 14 tells us that, in fact, they did have bread. Verse 14 says, now they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them on board. So there's 13 guys, 12 disciples plus Jesus, and one biscuit. Now, for you and me, that's the problem. I already told you. I could eat a dozen of those biscuits all by myself. You just give me me those red lobster, cheddar, bay biscuits, all gone. If there's just one biscuit... With 13 people, that's a problem if it's you and me. But they got Jesus on board. Jesus is right there. With now, a couple weeks ago when we were preaching, I, 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 we sang that song, you know, with Jesus in the boat, you can smile in a storm. Well, with Jesus in the boat, if it's not storming, and you're hungry, and all you got is one biscuit, you ought to be smiling. Why? He's already fed 9,000 people with a dozen biscuits. You think he can't handle 13 guys? 13? These disciples, they don't get it. They're worried about their bellies. They're worried about their lunch. And Jesus says this to them. What are you discussing? The fact that you have no bread. They did have bread. They had one little biscuit. (laughs) Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember hello do you not remember do you not remember what just happened i just fed four thousand people before that i fed five thousand people do you not remember 
And they didn't. They, they didn't remember. They didn't remember even in, when they, Jesus fed 4,000 people. When Jesus fed those 4,000, which was after Jesus fed the 5,000, the disciples say this in Mark 4, er, 8, 4. How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? Hello, he already fed 5,000 people. He fed 5,000 people with less bread and less fish than he had with the 4,000 people. Have they forgotten what Jesus can do? Maybe that should be our question. Have you forgotten what Jesus can do? Jesus can heal people. Listen, listen, we're in the middle of a pandemic. If you're sick, stay home. If you're sick and you're home, thank you. If, If you're sick, stay home. If you have coronavirus, if you run a fever, stay home. But having said that, Jesus can heal people. I had a subarachnoid hemorrhage. 50% 50% of the people that have what I have die. Jesus can heal people. Have you forgotten what Jesus can do? Jesus can transform people. I've told you before, my dad was a fall through the door drunk. His mom died of alcohol poisoning. Every male in their family was a drunk. And my dad found Jesus as will completely transform. Jesus can transform people. Have you forgotten what Jesus can do? Jesus, Jesus can, can repair marriages. Yet my mom and dad, they were on the verge of divorce. No wonder, my dad was a drunk. My mom had had it. But they both found Jesus. Guess what? Jesus transformed their marriage. Jesus healed their marriage. Have you forgotten what Jesus can do? Jesus can chase down prodigal kids. I can tell you story after story. Jesus still, it's, you've got a prodigal, keep on praying. Why? Because Jesus is hot on their tail. Keep on praying. Jesus can can find those prodigal kids and love those prodigal kids and bring those kids home. Have you forgotten what Jesus can do? Jesus can work miracles in our midst. He can rescue. He can redeem. Nothing is too hard for him. Have you forgotten what Jesus can do? He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Have you forgotten what Jesus can do? He cleans up drug addicts. He redeems felons. He rescues the hopeless and the helpless and the troubled and the fearful and the ones with terrible backgrounds and the ones with great backgrounds. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you forgotten what Jesus can do? Let me ask you. Let me, let me, let me see your hands. Who in this sanctuary would say sometime in your past you've had a problem, you've had an issue, it's a big deal, and Jesus helped you? Let me see your hands. Oh my goodness, are you at home? Are you raising your hand? You ought to. Everybody in here is raising their hand. Awesome, put your hands down. Now, okay, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands to this question. But anybody in this room, you've got a problem, you've got an issue, you've got a big deal going on right now. <laughs> we all got a big deal going on. We're in a pandemic, for crying out loud. My friends, have you forgotten what Jesus can do? Jesus can work. He's helped us before. He's helped every one of you. You Every one of you admitted he's helped you before. He's helped you in the past. Every one of us raised our hand. You at home, you raised your hand. If he's done it before, he'll do it again. We need to be like David. God helped me with the lion and a bear. He helped me with this giant too. (laughs) It's true. Disciples, they forgot. They're sitting in a boat with one biscuit 13 guys, 
and forgot that Jesus fed 4,000 just prior to that and 5,000 a week or two before that. They're sitting in a boat. Jesus fed 9,000 people with a dozen tiny biscuits, a few little fish, and they're wondering where their next meal's coming from. They got one biscuit. Crazy? Disciples don't get it. They don't get it earlier either. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus has that running with the Pharisees, and Jesus is trying to make a point. It's not what goes in a person, Jesus says, that makes them unclean. It's what comes out of a person that, mess, you know, their attitudes, their actions, their Facebook posts. So it comes what out of a person that indicates how messed up they are. This is how Jesus put it. What comes out of a person is what defiles him from within and out of a person's, out, from out of the heart of a man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. That is still true, by the way. What comes out of a person? What do you say? What are their actions, their anger, their pride, what do they put on Facebook or social media? What comes out of a person reveals who they are. But the disciples, ah, they don't get it. They just don't get it. Verse 17 in chapter 7, Jesus says this. Are you also without understanding? The NIV says it this way. Are you so dull? The message version, it's even more blunt. The message version says, are you being willingly stupid? <laughs> you don't ever want Jesus to call you stupid. I know we're in the sanctuary and our kids are in here and nurseries and children's church aren't going yet. That was a no-no word when, I, when, we, when our boys were young. You couldn't say that word at our house. In fact, I remember one time I was talking to some church folks and little Ben came up ready to tattle on Alex and said, dad, 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 Alex said the S word. <laughs> Stupid was the S word in our house. There was no other S word. Alex said the S word. Listen, you don't want Jesus to say you're stupid. The disciples just, just don't get it. Throughout this whole passage, they don't get it. You know who does get it? It's shocking. It's unbelievable. It's a lady. Well, Mark calls her in verse 26 uh, a, a Gentile, a Syrophoenician from birth. In, Mark, in Matthew's account of this, Matthew 15, he calls her a Canaanite. She's the, the only place in the New Testament anyone is called a Canaanite is when Matthew calls this lady in Mark, Mark chapter 7 a Canaanite. You know, in the Old Testament, there are lots of Canaanites. They were always the enemies of God, right? Always, always, always. And here, Matthew calls this lady a Canaanite. It's as if uh, Mark and Matthew are trying to describe her as someone far, far, the absolute farthest removed from God. She's a Canaanite. Not only is she a Canaanite, she has a demon-possessed daughter. And, and what happens when she encounters Jesus? She, like, like uh, the, 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 uh, the guy with a legion of demons, and like Jairus, she falls on her knees and she begs Jesus to go to her house and heal her daughter. But Jesus doesn't just take off like he does with Jairus and start heading for the house. And he doesn't just chase the, the demon out of her daughter like he did so quickly with the guy that had a legion of demons. You're not, you're not going to believe what Jesus does. Because when Jesus does speak, this is totally, you're going to think this is totally out of character for Jesus. Because when Jesus does speak, he calls her a dog. Now, I don't know too many women who want to be called a dog. If I were to say that at my house, I'd be the one in the dog house. You know, that's not what you do. But there's no pretty way around it. There's no, there's no easy way. You can't like sugarcoat. It out says it. He says this, let the children be fed first 
It's not right to take the children's bread. He's talking about the children of Israel. It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. He's talking about Gentiles in general, this Canaanite and her snarly daughter at home, dogs. You're not an Israelite. You're a Canaanite. You're a dog. Why in the world would Jesus say that? Why, why would he treat anyone this way? Bible scholars think that his remarks were not directed to the woman. You can't always tell that in the reading, but were directed, in fact, guess who? The disciples who haven't been getting at this whole entire passage to the disciples. It was the disciples whose attitude was that Jesus only came for the children of Israel. It was the disciples who thought that if you were not from Israel, then you were worthless. It was the disciples who were infected with this idea that Jesus was only, only, only for this group and not for the whole world. So when Jesus is speaking to this woman, he was only repeating the false and negative and wrong ideas of the disciples who were not getting at this entire passage. The woman was in desperate need. She was persistent. She was faithful. Anybody with two eyes and two ears could, could see that. And so Jesus was showing the narrow-minded disciples just how, how, how messed up they were saying, no, sorry, <laughs> wrong nationality, wrong gender, wrong problem. Sorry, wish I could help you, <laughs> but I can't. This woman, though, her response to Jesus, so amazing. So after Jesus says this to her, she says this in verse 28, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She picks up Jesus' words and changes it. In your English Standard Version, the, book that, the journal book that you have, you can't tell it in the translation because they translate the, the two words as the same word, but they're not the same word. Jesus' word is used for dogs is a big dog. She says uh, the word for dog that's a small dog or puppy. And so what she's saying to Jesus is, listen, Jesus, I'm not a big dog. I don't want the world. I don't want a feast. I'm a puppy. And all I want is a crumb. All I'm asking you for is my daughter back. I don't want the world. I just want my daughter back. You've got to do something about my daughter. She's home. She's demon-possessed. I need my daughter back, Jesus. I don't want the world, just my daughter. And Jesus looks at her and now responds as you would expect. He says, for this statement, you may go on your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon was gone. I don't know, I don't know that girl's name. I don't know what she was going through. I don't know her particular situation. All I know is this, she was full of the devil one second and it was gone the next. Jesus worked. Now this passage doesn't guarantee that if we pray loud enough or long enough that our kids will automatically come to Jesus. But what it does guarantee is there's never a time to stop praying for our kids. Never, ever, ever a time to do that. And this story shows us that Jesus, Jesus comes and works in a great, powerful, glorious way, and the disciples simply were not getting it. There's one more story that we've got to touch on. It's, the, it's a story kind of buried in the middle there. Jesus heals a guy who can't hear and who barely speaks. 
And the story comes in the midst of this passage where, where the disciples have seen all these things, right? All those miracles, the powerful, powerful miracles. They've heard a lot. They've seen a lot. And, and, and they're forgetting what Jesus can do. And they're missing the entire thing. And Jesus is getting close to the end of his ministry. And by their words and by their actions, two plus years being with Jesus, and they still don't get it. In the middle of all this, Jesus tells about this deaf guy who can barely speak. Let me try to explain what's going on this way. As you know, during the lockdown, uh, Carla was the announcement queen. She was also my camera person. And Jordan, our capable tech guy up there, he, you know, showed us. We, you know, we'd never done any of this stuff. We're not techie people. And so he had to show us how to work the cameras, how to change the battery. One time we were trying to change the put in the camera battery with the light battery. <laughs> that doesn't work. It took us probably a half an hour to try to figure out why the camera battery wasn't working. It was the light battery. And so we had all these troubles and problems, and he helped us, helped us, helped us, and showed us what we needed to do so that we could get out, uh, uh, you know, the sermon on Sunday. And, and usually what would happen is... Uh, I would preach it on Friday morning and send it to Jordan. He had to show us how to send the sermon. And we'd put it on an SD card and send it uh, to Jordan. And he would put all the scripture that we use in the sermon on so it would be ready for Sunday morning. Well, the very first time we were going to do it was uh, the first time we were preaching from home was Palm Sunday. So we, preached, we got it all done Friday. This is the first time. Got it all done. Sent it to Jordan Friday morning. Thought we were all ready for Palm Sunday. About 10.30 Saturday night, my friend, who I love, Jordan, <laughs> he called me up. I'm in my pajamas. It's Saturday night. It's 10.30. I'm in my pajamas. He calls up, says, uh, Pastor, I only got half the sermon. I said, what does that mean, Jordan, my dear friend? Saturday night, 10.30, me and my jammies. He said, we got to record it again. Now, let me explain a little bit. Jordan, that was before he was married to Chelsea. They were, Chelsea was here that weekend. They were making their wedding plans. Jordan is now married to Chelsea, but they, that weekend was a busy weekend. They were getting all their wedding plans together. Jo if you haven't met Chelsea, she's a wonderful girl. She was a student body president at Olivet Nazarene University. Jordan is married up, la-di-da. <laughs> student body president. So he was busy. I get it, he was busy. And he called, he was so powerful. If I had a dollar for every time Jordan said, I'm sorry that night, we would pay for that big screen back there. So he shows up in my house at 11 o'clock at night. I had to put back on my preaching clothes, you know. We, had, we, didn't, we didn't have the batteries charged up because we weren't planning on preaching, you know, Saturday night at 11 o'clock. So the batteries for the lights and the camera and all that stuff wasn't charged up. And he shows up and I start preaching. Of course, the lights go out because the batteries aren't juiced up. And him and Carla are running around, jumping on the couch, trying to get lights in my face. And the whole time I'm trying to preach. Crazy. What in the world does that have to do with a deaf guy who can barely speak? This is what it does. Jordan showed us all the things we need to do, and we weren't, we weren't together. You know, we didn't, 
have it all figured out because we're not techie people and it took us a while and and he'd give us more tips and we'd try more things and sometimes you know and through that whole week sometimes I preach you know people say oh pastor before you only had to preach one time you know it's great no I still had to preach two or three times sometimes we'd I preach the whole sermon through and Carla said Rob we didn't have the microphone turned on <laughs> okay let's do it again and I got more horror stories about those stupid quotes and quips on oh, my land. We filmed those. I gotta, I gotta go. We filmed those things, you know, all on Sunday afternoon. I had, I had to change my sweatshirt every single time. He, Jordan kept helping us, and he kept fixing stuff, and kept reminding us. And until the end, by, by the end, by the end, we finally were getting it down. We were next. I hope we don't have to go through that again. But we we're finally getting it. And I, I think that's the way it is with our Christian walk. Not one person in this room is perfect. Not that I've met anyway. And, and, and we need Jesus to help us and shape us and mold us. And sometimes we get it right, but sometimes we get it wrong. And we need him to step in and say, listen, let me, let me help you. Like the deaf guy who could barely speak. Sometimes we need to let Jesus touch our ears so that we can hear the needs around us. Like the deaf guy who could barely speak, sometimes we need to let Jesus touch our lips so that we will speak into people's life life-giving and hope-filled things. So that we can pray like the psalmist, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We need to allow Jesus to shape us, mold us, make us into the people he wants us to be. It doesn't always happen just like that. Sometimes we've got some rough edges. Some of us have got more than rough edges. And we need Jesus to shape us, mold us, make us into his people. We're going to close in prayer. Listen, the disciples didn't get it. They forgot who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. Maybe you've been forgetting lately. Maybe the junk of this old time that we're living in is getting you down and you forgot what Jesus can do he can work miracles my friend he can work miracles today let's pray Lord we believe that you can make us into the people you want us to be we believe that you can work miracles today and some of us ah, the, the weight of this world and this pandemic and the junk going on around us is just beating us up and Lord help us we don't want to forget what you can do you're the same yesterday today and forever you worked miracles then you can work miracles now you'll work miracles tomorrow and Lord just as you you chase the demon out of that that little girl you can you can chase all the troubles away Lord some of us have kids they may not be full of the devil but they're not heading in the right direction and we want to keep on praying for them and we need to say I'm sorry and move forward wherever we're at whatever we're doing there's not a perfect person in this group Lord we all need you to work in our lives we just pray that you do it so thank you for what you're doing thanks for working in this place thanks Lord for how you are blessing Central Church in Jesus' name we pray, amen.